0: Reading from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord.
1: A reading from John's Gospel. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life, lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honour. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die.
2: In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. In today's Gospel story from John chapter 12, we're told that some Greeks come to see Philip and Andrew, two of Jesus' disciples. They want Philip and Andrew to introduce them to Jesus. But why seek out these two disciples in particular? Well, it may be because both Philip and Andrew have Greek names rather than Hebrew or Aramaic ones. They come from Bethsaida, which was in a very ethnically mixed area of Galilee. There were a lot of Greek-speaking people there brought up in a Greek cultural world. And Jewish families sometimes chose Greek names for their children because that would help them to fit in and get on. So perhaps these Greeks... Think that Philip and Andrew will speak their language, not just literally, but in the sense that they'll understand their thinking. As it happens, Philip and Andrew feature as a bit of a double act in an earlier story in John's Gospel too. They're the only disciples who are named in John's account of the feeding of the 5,000, back in chapter 6. They don't have a lot to say otherwise, so I wonder whether it's just a coincidence or or whether John means us to connect these stories. Let's go back to that earlier story. Jesus sees a hungry crowd of people coming towards him. How shall we buy bread for these people to eat, he asks Philip. Philip hasn't got a clue. Even six months' wages wouldn't scratch the surface of their hunger, he says. But Andrew comes across a small child, keen to share his or her lunch five loaves and two fishes, and that turns out to be enough for this vast crowd. Unsurprisingly, perhaps, having been fed one day, many of the crowd turn up looking for Jesus the next day too. It seems there is such a thing as a free lunch after all, and if there's one free lunch, who knows, maybe there'll be another. Alas, they're disappointed. It isn't so. Jesus' miracles aren't just tricks to wow the crowds. His miracles, which John always calls signs in his Gospel, point to a deeper message. They draw people into a renewed relationship with God. The miraculous lunch wasn't just food. It was meant to remind those who ate it of the time when Moses had led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt towards their new promised land. To get there, they had to go across the desert, though, where there wasn't any food. But they didn't starve. God fed them with manna, which appeared miraculously on the ground every morning. The message was that God was at work again in Jesus, leading people to freedom in a new kingdom, and that he would provide the food for the journey. Philip and Andrew, as I've said, were key to that story. And they're key to this one too. And I don't think that's an accident. Because this is also a story about bread. Or at least the first stage in producing it. There aren't any loaves in the passage we heard, but there is a grain of wheat. One single grain which falls into the ground, apparently disappearing into the mud. It turns out, out though, that what looks like death for that wheat seed is actually the beginning of a new and bountiful life. It breaks open and is destroyed in the process, but from it comes a whole new plant, which bears many more grains of wheat. Twentyfold, sixtyfold, even a hundred grains might have come from that one small seed. The multiplication of the loaves and the fishes was very impressive, but the natural miracle of sowing and reaping is perhaps even more spectacular. And it happens under our noses all the time. Seed sowing at the vicarage is well underway now. There are baby tomato plants and chilies and sunflowers and a whole host of other things sprouting and growing on every available windowsill. Every year it's the same. It's an act of faith. The seeds seem so tiny when I sow them. And I can be waiting weeks before anything happens, wondering if they've actually just rotted away. But the life in a seed is stronger than we can imagine and pretty soon there are roots and shoots and not enough room to grow them all on. Every seed is a miracle waiting to happen. It's in their nature to be miraculous, to produce life out of what looks like death. Jesus knows that like a seed, he is about to be sown. It will look like it's all over for him, but his death, won't be the end. It will be the beginning of a new world, because the life-giving love of God will turn out to be stronger than the death-dealing hatred of those who want to be rid of him. People like us, who just want their lives to go on as they have done. My guess is that when those Greeks got to hear Jesus' response to them, it would have puzzled them greatly. Classical Greek philosophy taught that God was immovable, perfect, unchangeable, far off in a distant heaven. If they'd come with that in their minds, as they probably had, they'd have a lot of trouble getting their heads around the idea that God could be in this carpenter from Nazareth, in the messiness of human life, in the agony and humiliation of crucifixion, in a battered dead body. The cross would challenge everything they thought they knew about divinity, as it does for many of us too. It's often only when we are broken ourselves, like that disintegrating grain of wheat, that we understand the cross, because it's then that we find the life of God springing up in us as we let go of our own attempts to hold it all together. Authentic faith The kind that's written on our hearts, not just on tablets of stone, as the Prophet Jeremiah said, nearly always seems to come from a place of brokenness, surrender and failure. This week sees the anniversary of the beginning of the first coronavirus lockdown last year. We're marking it here in Seal with a recorded service on Tuesday. And you're also invited, if you'd like to, to come and tie a ribbon to our remembrance tree by the Lichgate, and to put a light in your window at eight o'clock on Tuesday evening if you can. This has been a year when we may all have felt like that grain of wheat sometimes, buried in the mud of grief and fear and stress and the grinding complications of just getting by. It may have been hard for us to hold on to hope sometimes, to believe that things can ever be normal again. But these readings today tell us that down there in the mud isn't always a bad place to be, that feeling broken may not be the end. It may be a beginning too, the place we find that same life-giving love which raised Jesus from the dead and which never runs out. A free lunch of loaves and fishes is great now and then to keep us from starving. But Jesus wants more for us than that. He wants us not just to eat the bread he gives us but to be the wheat which grows and multiplies and brings life to others too. And there's no way to do that except to fall into the good ground of his love. To accept ourselves for who we are with all our frailties, and allow him to raise us to new life. Amen. Most merciful God, who by the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, delivered and saved the world, grant that by faith in him who suffered on the cross, we may triumph in the power of his victory Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and for ever. Amen.